It's time for the Friday Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Hit the guys up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Now, with your Friday Rush, here's Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Spencer Sanders, uh, I think this is between, I think he started 52-ish or so games in high school as a quarterback, and then he, this is his 41st start, I think, in college. He might be, I bet he's a top tenner for sure, right? Uh, can I say that, top tenner? Top, huh? I can if I want, but it's not really appropriate. So top ten, you know, who has 90-some starts as a, as a quarterback? Incredibly experienced. He's a winner, you know. Uh, he's instinctive. He's fast. He's explosive. Got a quick release. Uh, he's, you can tell he's played. He's got a lot of moxie. You can tell he's played uh, a lot of football. The, the team rallies behind him, plays off of uh, his leadership and his energy. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is cover everybody uh, because he can he can really run and he's a true dual threat guy. They've got you know designed quarterback runs for him, but they do a good job of moving the launch point. And but he makes all the throws. Really uh, excellent player. You know they're averaging 35 points a game and and again he he leads the Big 12 in in total offense. So number one top guy. It is the rush on the ref. There's Brent Venables talking about Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders, which, you know, you and I have had the uh, the back and forth the past couple of weeks on the pregame show. Well, hey, if nothing else, OU has the edge at quarterback over West Virginia. If nothing else, OU has the edge at quarterback over Baylor. Well, that hasn't meant a whole lot, mu- a whole lot over the past couple of weeks because OU has lost both of those games. Do they have the edge at quarterback? over a less than 100% Spencer Sanders? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it in conference, Tyler, I mean, Dylan Gabriel doesn't rank worse than fourth in any of the major statistics when you break it down actually by games. Some of the totals he does, obviously, because he he was he missed a lot of that time. Um, but, I mean, quarterback rating, he's second. I think QBR, he's fourth. I mean, interceptions, he despite – it feeling in these last few games, the turnovers have been an issue. Um, you know, interceptions only got four on the year. So with that, I do think we have the signal caller advantage. But if we can't stop their run game, it may not matter. Um, interesting that Spencer Sanders and Dylan Gabriel have very similar numbers this year. Now, uh, Spencer Sanders has thrown the ball a few more times than Dylan Gabriel has to get these numbers. But uh, Sanders is, he's got 2,261 passing yards this year. Gabriel's got 2,217. They both have 16 touchdown passes this year. Sanders has five interceptions compared to Gabriel's four interceptions. Gabriel's QBR is 35th in the country. Sanders is 15th in the country. So an edge to Spencer Sanders there. But if you just look at the stats as a whole, They've been, they've kind of had similar seasons this year. Both of those guys have been bumped up a little bit with injuries. I, I think Sanders, man, like he he played really well against you last year, and he was what first team All Big Twelve offense a year ago at the quarterback position. I man, that no- felt that that felt like a default. Thing, yeah, though, no, it, no, it, 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 it really did. It, but but I'll give Spencer Sanders this. 
he is not the best quarterback that you'll have faced this year, but he might be the grittiest man. Like he he's he's gritty, he's tough, he's he's not a hundred percent, but I he's gonna figure out a way to play four quarters on Saturday, I think. So if you if you want to give him credit for anything, he's about as tough of a quarterback as you're gonna run across this year. Yeah, if he's if he's limited throwing the ball, um, and we can, you know, sell out on just stopping him, we'll see. But I mean we, we saw it just happen. Tyler couldn't make it through the game. So, you know, you don't know what that injury looks like. I mean, it's never going to be public, right? This isn't This isn't college coaches don't have to put out the injury report like uh, NFL coaches do, and, and everybody can kind of report over them. Jake Laser isn't going to wake up on Saturday and say, all right, I've got injury updates, uh, you know, for your college football fantasy leagues. So That's Pete Thamel that does that during game day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, but yeah, I, I think he plays, but I don't think he's as effective as normal. And honestly, if I had to guess, I don't think he finishes the game. If I well, if I'm OU, I'm heating him up, man. Right? Right. I mean, you, you, this isn't Bounty Gate necessarily. You're not going to be wearing uh, New Orleans Saints helmets or anything on Saturday. Man, why are you going to bring that up, man? I'm a Vikings fan. Yeah. That's, well, I, I'm ouch. just saying, um, you don't have to go Bounty Gate, but. I mean, it's it. You, I mean, you know the situation that exists. Get some pressure on him and put him on his back. Make contact with him. It's football. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, don't do anything dumb, but you know, don't cost the team. But yeah, I mean, hey, it's worked for TCU, hasn't it, Tyler? Uh, it's worked out well for TCU, which um, they did knock out. They did knock out Quinn Ewers, and they did knock out Quinn Ewers for a reason, Travis. They were yeah, like, whoa, 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 we want, that, this, we want this dude to play. Let's not knock exactly. him out of the game. Exactly. They, they wrapping him up in bubble wrap before they tackle him. No way, because I, I think Hudson Cards wins that game. And do you remember, Tyler, back way back when they named Quinn the starter, it had been reported by multiple Texas sites, that, or multiple Texas reporters at least, that Hudson Card was looking better in practice. He looked like he was going to be the starter going forward. And then, like, Steve Sarkeesian like texted his SID or something like that and was like, "Oh, uh, I just got a message from Sarkeesian and he says that Quinn is the starter." Like, do you remember that? Like, it was really yeah. weird. We were we were talking about it, and a lot of us speculated and said a lot of people thought Card was going to be the starter, and they were about to announce that, and uh, then you know some some BMDs, if you will, said, "Nah, man, we're we're playing Ewers. Ewers is our guy." Well, how silly does that look now? Because I bet that they would have two more wins had they had played Hudson Card because I think Hudson Card does better against TCU, and I think Hudson Card wins that Oklahoma State game where they had a lead, and in the last two possessions uh, to really lose that game, Quinn throws two picks and goes 19-49. I think Hudson Card... I think Hudson Card has got to be furious. That may be the worst game a Big 12, well, not counting the OU Texas game. That performance by Quinn Ewers against Oklahoma State is definitely in the running for worst quarterback performances this year in the Big 12. Oh, it was, it was abs- that bad. I mean, absolutely. he didn't just miss, he missed by a mile on several throws. It was ugly. One, when you, I forget who, uh, it was one of the TFB guys tweeted out some stat about Xavier Worthy. And a lot of us, I mean, I, uh, after what we saw last year, I fully expected Xavier Worthy to be kind of in the, uh, 
you know, in the Bolitnikov talk, right? I mean, I know he was in kind of that first grouping up there with like guys like JSN and Jordan Addison and um, guys like that. So you you put that up there, and then the stat of twenty plus yard attempts. Uh, I'd have to go find it on my Twitter again, but twenty plus yard attempts. It is bewildering how bad. Quinn Ewers has been on those throws. And this isn't like a Mims situation where Xavier's just dropped 20 of them. Like, yeah. this is like Quinn can't hit him at all. Well, in it an interesting, like, all of the preseason hype for Texas, it was centered around three particular players Quinn Ewers, Bijan Robinson, and Xavier Worthy. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Well, Quinn Ewers has been less than advertised, far less than advertised. Um, I think Xavier Worthy is still a really good player, but he's not having a really good season. He's having a disappointing season. And Bijan Robinson, when he's actually gotten the football, has been awesome this year, and he's been the best running back. So why is Texas 6-4 and four this year? Well, you can point to a lot of areas, but you can definitely point to two of the three players that were being hyped up as a reason why Texas was going to win the conference this year. Those guys, collectively, have not been great. Bijan has been yeah, Bijan Bijan has, has been has been everything you'd ever want him to be. But the problem is, yeah, the other two have not. And they're gonna look back at this season and wonder, man, what would have been like because this team should go through the run game. Like with Bijan, with Roshan, and Hudson Card's just a better runner. When you look a lot of the teams across the the Big Twelve, what's hurting them most isn't the downfield passing games, it's the quarterback run game. So if you know that already going into it, play Hudson Card. He gives you the best chance to win. But, I mean, thank goodness they didn't. Uh, by the way, we got sidetracked a little bit from the Spencer Sanders conversation. Peyton says, <laughs> I don't think he will run it a ton because he knows he can't afford to get hurt. 15 yards is worth playing a backup. I don't know, man. I, I, I think um, I think Sanders is pretty competitive. Now, I, I definitely think that he's going to slide a lot more and slide a lot early than he would normally, but I think Spencer Sanders is still going to run the ball a bit on Saturday. I don't think he's going to carry it 15 times, but he'll, try to, he'll still try to make plays with his feet when it's open. Yeah, yeah I don't think – I mean, we kind of heard the same from Dylan Gabriel, right, in the press conference uh, after uh, he came back from concussion. He's like, are you going to – you know, are you going to run less, you know, to try and protect yourself more? And Dylan essentially said, you know, I'm not going to play scared. I'm going to play my game. And and the thing is, we have to remember, Dylan got hurt on an illegal hit. Like, this, it wasn't the fact that he was just, you know, being tough or whatever. Like, the guy came across and smoked him in the head. So whether you're – and it was on a scramble. It wasn't even a designed run. So – I don't. I don't think there's. I, I think Spencer Sanders is going to have a lot of the same thoughts. He's going to say, "I can't play scared. I've never played scared in my life. I'm going to. I'm going to play my game and do what what makes me effective." Four oh five. If they put Spencer, if they put Spencer Sanders out of the game, the backup quarterback would beat OU. Well, then you're talking about worst case Gun- scenario then on Saturday if Gunner, <laughs> if Gunner Gundy, Gundy comes in and beats you. Oh if yeah. If Gunner Gundy beats OU, then. Yeah. Then we we talk about rock bottom. We would hit rock bottom and 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 get a jackhammer or something it would be it would be real bad but i i personally i think gunner gundy is one of the worst quarterbacks in the conference i mean i think we've i think we've seen that for the most part um but their freshmen's hurt you know that they would play obviously they are kind of banking on spencer being healthy in this game for a reason so we'll see but hey you know what to that texture 
You you sure were proved right against West Virginia. Oh my so gosh, that's not a bad text. Yeah. I mean that's that's right in line with what we just saw. So Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Week, Garrett Green. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If the OU defense has improved at all, then Spencer Sanders doesn't finish the game. That's from Greg from Lawton. Boy, well, and, everyone's calling for some big hits on this guy on tell Saturday. You, tell Jeez. you what, you know what this reminds me of? Uh, it reminds me when Feinbaum had that caller from Texas A and M. Did you hear that? Um, when they were talking about Jimbo's buyout. Oh yeah, and he was cheaper like, to hire an assassin or a hitman like, or whatever. Hire, he's like, you can hire a hitman for a lot less than ninety million dollars or whatever. I was like, I whoa, that. whoa, whoa, bro! <laughs> In the SEC network, you can't be. You can't be ordering hits, but but I do think Tyler, the defense is getting in better position. I think it was just it's really just a depth issue late in games. So I think the recipe here has to be, you know, build a lead, good defense, let the offense execute early, build a lead, and then just just hopefully get off the field or sustain some drives on offense to give your de- defense some rest. I think that if the defense is out there, ninety plus snaps, I think that spells trouble for OU. I think we lose that game. Nine one eight, how embarrassing would it be if TCU wins an Addy this year? Especially since OU couldn't win when they were re- really good. Um how like I, I don't think it, it I don't think if TCU wins a natty, like you might be embarrassed, but I don't think the entire country is gonna point and laugh at OU because TCU won the natty. I I, yeah. I I see what your point is, but I don't think TCU is gonna win a national championship. I think it's Probably going to be Georgia again, or Ohio State. One of those two. Give me Georgia yeah. right now. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think that would be a, you know, a situation where anybody would really think of OU. I mean, maybe they'd say, "Oh man, Sonny Dykes did it, first year coach." I mean, yeah, but you know, I, there are other first year coaches that didn't win titles, so. So I don't think that just changes the entire narrative of how things go. By forward. the way, and I know that this doesn't always matter. Unfortunately, we found that out last week. OU was an eight and a half point favorite. They lost outright. But the uh, the potential college football playoff matchups, like the spreads, Georgia would be a fourteen and a half point favorite over TCU. That's significant. Ohio State would be a thirteen and a half point favorite over TCU. Michigan would be a nine-point favorite over TCU, and Tennessee would be a five-and-a-half-point favorite over TCU. Now, that, that's not an exact science. That's just a betting line. It does not mean that TCU couldn't beat any of those teams. But I don't think, T- I don't think we got to worry about TCU winning a national championship this year. I, I, I'm wondering if they're going to make the playoff because I think they have to win all of their remaining games just to make the four-team playoff, which I think that in itself is going to be really difficult. Yeah, and you're already seeing kind of nationally the uh, um, the different fans kind of jockeying to 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 be positioned to take TCU in the first round, right? <laughs> They're like Ohio State fans, uh, so like, oh man, it's, I'm bummed that we're not number one overall, but if somehow we can get a two-three matchup with TCU, I'll take that any day of the week. Our defense hasn't hit anyone hard enough to knock anyone out of a game yet. I'm pretty confident that Sanders is safe. It's a fair point. How many big hits have we seen from the defense this year? And I know that the rules have have changed and guys are a little bit more timid to go in for the big hit because of the targeting situation. But, yeah, unfortunately, we haven't seen a lot of knockback tackles, and that's kind of the case when you have some um, guys that aren't very confident trying to figure out a new defense. That's probably what you're going to get. Yeah, but honestly, Tyler, and this this sounds kind of weird, I bet, but – I think a lot of that can come from 
getting amped up from a from a raucous home crowd. I think a lot of that can be, you know, that energy, you know, that that kind of, uh, you know, almost almost Hollywood type feel of being at home, you know, rivalry game, this, that, and the other. It might get them juiced up enough to, uh, you know, to lay the wood on somebody. You know, it can't be one of these uh, country club type outings for the crowd. You know what? You know what's probably been the biggest hit so far this year for OU is probably that RSJ hit on the holder last week against West Virginia. That's probably the biggest hit they've had all year. Oddly enough, I might say RSJ on Jason Bean. Um, If you remember that one kind of as he was coming down the sideline, um, Jason Bean had leaked out left and RSJ uh, planted the bean, if you will. Um, But it is a a good sign going forward that, you know, a true freshman – at least represents two of our he's more the, physical he, he's plays. He's the biggest hitter on the team as of right now with <laughs> yeah. those two plays. Yeah, and, and, plays and if you is. get and if you get Canick running in the right direction and get him squared up, he's big enough and strong enough and fast enough to to absolutely destroy dudes. It's just you just gotta you just gotta get him going the right way and and going you know squared up well and and in position to make the hit. So I, I mean I think we've got the physicality. Back there, I mean, even Kobe McKenzie, um, you know, Venables was talking about him, how he's got uh, uh, cement in his helmet or concrete in his helmet, as if he's the he's this big hitter. I mean, I think we got physicality coming. It's just, it's just, it's really hard to it's really hard to hit somebody you know hard when you're on the field for eighty snaps. You know what I mean? One more text. Natty really sounds like a stupid word for national championship. Yeah, I, I say natty sometimes if I just try to get it in quick, but I normally try to say national title. Or national championship, you could call it Natty Foo Foo for all I care. As long as we win one, I don't Gosh. care what you call it. I know it's been it's been a <laughs> drought, unfortunately. What's going on at uh, Flamingo Fish and Marine in Eufaula? Man, we're uh, we're just kicking it here. Uh, they've got over a million dollars, actually a million and a half dollars, I was told today, of inventory. They've got your live bait. They've got all types of weather apparel. Um, if you're going to be, you know, going to the game. This weekend, and it's going to be cold. You could stop in here, get yourself some gear. Um, they've got, they've got, they've got it all set up, man. They've got a massive building here, so they're good friends of ours here at KREF, and they're they, they're good supporters of us. Yeah. All right. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. More of your texts coming up next on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll go down memory lane when it comes to this Bedlam series. Coming up next. Football is here, and your home for the best Sooner coverage statewide is the Ref. From the booth to the sidelines and beyond, our guys are there. The OU football talk you crave is right here. On your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Sports Network. The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. Getting close to Bedlam, 6.30 on ABC Saturday nights, and the ref will be live on Campus Corner before and after the game, 12.30 to 5.30 at Yo Pablo on Campus Corner. Uh, For post-game, we are going to be at O'Connell's on Campus Corner. Travis and I will be there for two hours immediately after the game, so come see us at Yo Pablo before the game. Come see us at O'Connell's Irish Pub and Grill after the game. Should be a uh, very, very fun and very eventful day on Saturday. Hopefully, hopefully we're talking about a 6-5 and five 
Oklahoma team. You'll, you'll hey, never have felt so good to be 6-5 and five in your life, Travis. Hey, a bowl bound sooner, 6-5. Uh, and five. Hopefully. Hopefully. Again, hopefully. But don't want to get, uh, you know, the cart before the horses. Got to take care of business against the cowpokes um, who all of a sudden – they got a little blood in the water. They know that they know that OU's on the way out. They know that OU's hurting, and th- this isn't a team that's gonna, you know, discount a win over Oklahoma because we're having a down year. They they will they will show no mercy. Um, talking about this twenty years from now, say, oh, you remember when Brent Venables, you know, the the multiple national title winning coach that you guys have now. I uh, remember we smacked him around in his first year. They they're not going to treat it any differently. So we got to get a win. Uh, the last time Bedlam was played, and there wasn't like something on the line in terms of college football playoff chances or Big Twelve title chances, which I guess OSU still has an outside chance at the Big Twelve championship. So they're still kind of playing for for something. But you got to go back to 2014, man. Last year there was a Big Twelve title on the line. 2020, um, there were definitely some implications there conference-wise. Same thing for 19, 18, 17. 16 was a de facto Big 12 championship game. 2015 was a de facto Big 12 championship game. So this is the first time in a while where both teams are going into this game, you know, kind of playing for pride mostly and to notch another win Um Overall, other than you know the focus being, well, you got to win this game or you're not going to make the conference championship game. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's you know it's low stakes, which is actually why Tyler, I was very surprised that we were prime time on ABC. Were were you surprised Same. by that? Yeah, I, I I kept I kept hearing people say it was going to be on ESPN Plus. I said no, there's no way that Bedlam is going to no. be on ESPN. Plus. I thought it was going to be like a two thirty game. Maybe. But if someone would have said, "Yeah, I agree with him," it's going to be six thirty on ABC. I would have said, "Okay, let's not go that far." All right, it's not going to be yeah. prime time on ABC. <laughs> right. But second carried away. Here we are. Hey, that that logo on the helmet still matters, man. Whether people like it or not, it still does. I wonder um, the thought that this could be the last Bedlam for a while. Do you think that that played into what the kickoff time is? Say it again. This could potentially be the last Bedlam in a while. Yeah. And I wonder yeah, if that I, played into this being a primetime game. Yeah. I, I think with a lot of the news that's come out, and, and maybe not even news, but maybe it's maybe it's lack of news, Tyler. Maybe it's a lack of an announcement that it is and that we're leaving next year. And now that we, you know, people are already talking about the, the schedule next year, having the four new teams in here, this, that, and the other. I, I don't think at this point, and, I mean, you tell me, do you think that this is the last Bedlam? Well, I don't think it's the last Bedlam ever. I think you're, you're meaning like the last Bedlam between I mean, like, 12 yeah. teams, right? Um, correct, correct. Man, a, a few months ago I would have said yes. But I'm, it, it's the hardest information to come by, is it not, when the SEC move's going to happen? It's the hardest information to come yeah. by. Yeah, because, because on one hand you say, hey, these things move really quickly, and it seems like everything else in the sport is moving really quickly as it comes to with, you know, realignment, and realignment never stops, and TV deals being handed out, and streaming getting involved, and all this. It's a very aggressive culture that we're in now whether that's business culture or anything it's just an aggressive culture so people are going to want to rush things along so that's why i think the move will happen earlier because it doesn't seem like oh we're just going to wait around a couple more years like that doesn't seem like it would happen but to your point 
There's no news. I, I definitely think it, it's hard to have a feel on it, honestly. Um, I, I definitely think it's the last bedlam at OU. Is it the last bedlam between two Big 12 teams? I think they may be in for one more year. And I wouldn't yeah. have said that three months ago. But maybe I'm overreacting to the no news, and once uh, December hits, we're going to hear a formal announcement that OU is going to the SEC. And that kind of spins off into an interesting question, right, with – with what's happened this year with the 5-5 five and five start and everything that you may think about the program positively or negatively, I wonder if most fans would want another year in the Big 12. And I think that we ran across this last December. Once OU had a tough year last year based on the standards that they had going into the year, we had a lot of fans on the text line saying, yeah, let's do one year of the Big 12 with Brent and then let's go to the SEC. I wonder if those same people are saying, yeah, let's do another year uh, of the Big 12 with Brent, then jump to the SEC. I wonder if, if everyone's as eager to jump to that league as they were when the conference or when the move was initially announced. I mean, I would say there's simply no way they're as eager, right? Because they want to get, uh, um, you know, they want to get, you know, Dylan another year perhaps. They want Jackson Arnold maybe to be in his sophomore or junior year in our first year there and then maybe you look at somebody like a michael hawkins jr backing him up or a nick evers being in the equation like we've got some talent in that room and some more talent on the way but you look at that because that's what it really comes down to doesn't it tyler is who's your who's your starting quarterback that year you you typically don't want a, just a new guy all you know overall his first year playing college football to be okay cool it's our first year in the SEC because Tyler I do not trust those schedule makers no no to do us any favors we're going to all the all the schedules that the SEC schools think they play because every single one of them thinks they play you know at Bama at LSU you know uh at Georgia, yeah, at only, Tennessee, only Vanderbilt has to do that. Not everyone else. Yeah, yeah. So everybody, everybody thinks that every week is just you know the gauntlet, the murderer's row when it comes to the SEC, which it's not. But again, um, you know the teams are the team. The floor is is a lot higher, I think, over there. But regardless, I think. I think people have calmed down a little bit with the get me to the SEC, except for when we see flags picked up like we did against C.J. <laughs> Colden. When he got hit, they're thinking, get us out of this stupid conference. I'm Jeez. like, well, don't jump out of the frying pan into the fire, brother. Guys, so you know the SEC has already come up with a 23 schedule, and we're not on it. Yes, but let's not act like that can't be changed if the announcement is made coming up in another month or two. Right, they could, but I, I, do, I, I do think that it is most likely to be 2024, personally, I think. But I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb to have the four teams join. So you got to now rewrite. You got to get all the schedules going and get all the TV. I mean, you got to split all the TV contracts up that way. And then you leave a year later, and then you got to redo everything again. It just seems all very messy. And that kind of like administrative type stuff. People don't want to do all the time over and over. So to do it twice in a in a 13-month span seems dumb. Kenny from the 405, no, I hate the little 12. 405, iron sharpens iron. Let's get to the SEC. 918, hell no, I'm ready to move on to the SEC. This one says, I think we should stay one more year and let the 23 class 
get their feet wet in the college game. That way, going forward, we at least have a foundation and know what direction for how to compete in the SEC. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at, Tyler, if you just look at the defensive end prospects that we have coming in 2023 and 2024, or at least who who is likely to come in 2023 and 2024, I don't want to, you know, count my chickens before they hatch, but it's, you know, I still give us a really good shot at David Hicks, especially uh, with him and Sanford coming to town uh, this weekend and them kind of really cooling pretty quickly, it sounds like, on, on Texas A&M. I know Oregon's something to keep an eye on there, but I really think OU lands him. Um, you look at the 2024 class, obviously Derek LeBlanc and P.J. Adabari and things like that, but you look at that 2024 class, Tyler, and this 2023 class we talked about as it, it'll be good, but, man, get ready for that 2024 yeah. class. Then when we started seeing us go up into the top three and four, we're like, holy crap, we're a year ahead of schedule on the recruiting trail, which we are. We still are a year ahead of schedule. But, man, that 2024 class has a chance to be really special. If you lock in a guy like Michael Hawkins Jr. and you kind of get that whole that whole Texas, uh, that, that Dallas Metro type situation going on at, at Allen with you got Nigel Smith, who's a big-time player, um, who, who likes Oklahoma a lot. He's going to be in Norman this weekend. Um, you've got Peyton Pierce, uh, I believe Lovejoy, who really likes the Sooners. I believe Parker has a crystal ball in for him. I, I think I think you can start to see really what the 2024 class is going to be like, um, and it looks like it's going to be good. But to that texture's point, yes, let's get a foundation going with these SEC-type players and then put our best foot forward when we get there. By the way, Bed- Bedlam Memory Lane, um, give me 2003 and 2013 as my two uh, personal favorite Bedlam games that I have seen in my lifetime. 2003 and 2013. OU won 52-9 in 2003 after Oklahoma State beat you in back-to-back years, and I got to say, I think the atmosphere in Norman for that 3 Bedlam game, I, I don't know if underrated is the right word, but when we talk about best atmospheres ever at Owen Field, 2000 Nebraska and 2008 Texas Tech or you know, quickly the two games that are thrown out, and I think that those are right. I think 2003 Bedlam might be third. That was a level of venom in the air that night that I have never experienced before inside that stadium. It was thick, the hate. The hate was thick. <laughs> the vet, you could, you, yeah, you could cut the tension with a knife. Some might say, yeah, it's, yeah, that definitely, definitely one of the better ones. I, I think it is when it comes to atmospheres. I think people do kind of have just those, those quick canned answers. Um, you get Texas Tech and you get Nebraska, and then pretty much everybody's like just debates between those two. Um, but yeah, that's that would certainly be an honorable mention. Um, it, what's interesting is. You know why? You know why in those particular years we play them every year, and it's not like a lot of times they're ranked in you know top five or anything like that, like the like the Nebraska and like the A and M game or Nebraska and the Texas Tech games were. So you know what makes a a specific year of bedlam, you know, more venomous than the others? I guess would be my question. Yeah. Uh, Two thousand what worst bedlam in my lifetime. Um, 2001 sucked. Did not see that one coming in Norman. 2002, though, man, and I still look at that final score of 38 to 28 and say, really? It felt like OSU won by about 30 that day because it was just Josh Fields to Rashawn Woods down the field the entire game. 
And maybe OSU should have won that game by 30 points, but it only ended up being a 10-point deficit. But, buddy, it felt like you were getting uh, kicked around the field that day, which I know Text Line has uh, reactions to your favorite and least favorite Bedlam game of all time. Well, and I was at – rolling in right now. I was at the game with my buddy Crawford Neme – um, in 2011 in Stillwater. Yeah, not fun. Got kicked. And that day. yeah, 44 to 10. I I got, you know, I got a couple drinks poured on me. I mean, I was I was minding my own business too. We were getting our butt kicked the whole time. What what am I gonna do? In, in a in a sea of orange, you know, I've got my OU stuff on, and it was like it was what it was. I was like, hey, you know what? It's not like I'm going to start swinging or anything. <laughs> like, I'm just going to take it for what you it is. Have, you should have gone down with the rest of the team, you know? Well, <laughs> I'm like, I looked around. I looked to my left. I had about, you know, 50 people wearing orange. Looked to my right, about 50 more people wearing orange. And uh, I think it's the old, what, who was it, Ron White? He goes, I don't know how many people it was going to take to whip my butt. But I knew how many they were going to use. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were going to use about forty-eight thousand that night. Yeah, exactly. So I wasn't going to take any chances. No doubt about that. But that was a that was a tough one. No doubt. Weather wasn't great. Um, you were getting your butt kicked. Yeah, yeah, that was tough. <sighs> we we shouldn't even have brought that one up. The vibes were so good today. The vibes were so good. <laughs> well, for you should five ask five worst. team on the Wednesday. Yeah, you I know. Said, I blame myself. I truly, geez. I blame myself. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. It's the rush on the ref. Football is here, and your home for the best Sooner coverage statewide is the ref. From the booth to the sidelines and beyond, our guys are there. The OU football talk you crave. And Marine. The Air Comfort Solutions text line says, You never know. Saturday could be an absolute runaway by who? Sooners, possibly a 40-plus win for the youngsters. I, uh, I I like the optimism. I appreciate that. But we have seen no sign whatsoever that OU is capable of beating a team to the caliber of OSU by 40-plus points. And when I say uh, caliber, I'm not saying that OSU is some great team. They're not a great team. We still haven't seen OU show anything to where they can blow out even a, uh, an above-average team at this point. I, just, I don't think that's possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you consider a blowout. It's it with the with the line with Vegas thinks that we're going to blow them out apparently, or at least win by two scores, which again is still ah, that's still so weird to me. But hey, it is what it is. The Vegas people they're they're typically pretty smart. But I would just like somebody to explain to me how they got to that line. 2010 in Stillwater was incredible with all the back and forth fourth quarter scoring. James Hanna for the win. Yes, um, Austin Box had a big interception that game. And Cameron Kinney. Who remembers Cameron Kinney out there at wide receiver? He wore number six before Baker Mayfield wore number six. He had a big touchdown reception that game as well. But yes, 2010 was a wild back and forth game that clinched a spot in the Big 12 championship game for OU. It was, uh, and that was um, with the way that the conference changed after A&M and Missouri left, that's why you had to go back-to-back years in Stillwater 2010 and 2011. Which right. You mentioned 2011 last segment. Was it the most yep. fun game for OU fans? Yep, not, not great. Not great at all. <laughs> Who's doubling down? Sanders goes down, Sooners roll by 40. Okay. Hey, you are on the record. Roll by 40? You are on the record, text line, 
at least this one texture from the 918, thinking OU wins by 40. I will not be joining you anytime soon. Because as this text says, OU can't even blow out Norman High. <laughs> Man, it's a cold day. Somebody's been hitting the uh, them hot toddies uh, down here. It's hey, hey, we'll take Hey, you know what? I like a positive Wednesday, right? I like midweek positivity. That's what we're all about here on, on the Friday rush on a Wednesday. Yeah, but uh, whew, winning by 40-plus points on Saturday, that's a level of positivity yeah. that I don't even know I can, uh, I can get to today. I yeah, don't I, don't think I, can, I don't think I can get there. But, hey, you know what? That's fine. It's early. You know, got a lot of time left between now and the game. You got plenty of time to get there. You know what's got to be better if OU's going to win this game? Oh, they're not, I, I mean, I, this could be better. They're probably still not going to win by 40 points. Say, do we, how much time do we have left in this segment? But everyone thought I was immediately going to say defense, and if I didn't say defense, I was going to say the offense. No on both of those. What's up with OU special teams the past two games? Well, what's weird is they've been one of the better special team units throughout the year, Tyler. We, I mean, we talked about that as being a strength. I mean, Turk, I mean, <clears throat> really punting the ball well. I mean, Schmidt's, you know, putting it through the uprights from all over the field. Um, you had Farouk really stepping up in a kick return role, and then Mims obviously is a dangerous punt returner. And then you have the touchdown with Iowa State. You know, Schmidt basically wins that game. You know, by himself for the most part, is if you just look at the scoreboard. Uh, but I tell you what, man, it's that it's that big play, right? It's the same thing that happened to Kansas State. Like, like special teams have the opportunity to change momentum, and West Virginia, man, at the end of the first half, they switched momentum, man. Um, and you know, you're looking at maybe going into halftime uh, with a goose egg on the board and and I don't know what the mentality of a team like West Virginia is you know in that crazy weather you know a, a coach that might be out the door an athletic director that got fired yeah. shortly after and what's that mentality if they're goose egg with no momentum who knows but special teams you're right just giving up that one big play I would hope that Zach Schmidt's confidence is still um I mean he missed two field goals last week I I, I don't know what his confidence level is that, but it was very high when he was playing or kicking really well throughout the year. And I, I hope that he's still that same player because Saturday, the Tech game, the bowl game, if they get there, the margin of error is so slim for this team. You're going to need Zach Schmidt to be good to win these games down the stretch. You, I mean, well, and, he, and he, ha- he has been really good at home. Um, and he's been good in games that weren't raining sideways at 38 38- you know, 38 degrees, you know what I mean? Like, that is that is a tough, tough kicking conditions, which, again, to some people's point, is wondering why they kicked it in those conditions. But, you know, he hit it off the upright. It's it's not a situation where he's just, you know, shanking the ball and just is is a complete mess out there. Um, trust me, I'm a Vikings fan. I know about inopportune bad kicks. Mm, so, Blair um, yeah, yeah, and Gary Anderson. But with with that being said, I think at home – He's going to be clutch. I would like to see Turk, who is one of the best punters in the country, maybe landed at the 10, you know, instead of the 1, you know, or something. Maybe just give your gunners a little bit more time to get down there or just a little bit more time to recover once the ball touches because, man, I think that's what was was upsetting on uh, some of the short punts was, man, you can't have a touchback in that scenario. Uh, this is interesting. Other than last year, has Spencer Sanders ever finished a Bedlam game? 2019, he didn't play. No. 2020, he didn't finish the game. 
2021, he did. Yeah, I guess that's the only one where he started and finished the game. That's interesting. Did not yeah. think of it that way. Yeah, I hadn't thought. I hadn't really uh, considered it either. Well, then, Tyler, I'm even more confident in my uh, in my assumption that he will not finish this game. <laughs> there you go. Doug from Norman says, not sure about Norman High, but they certainly would have trouble with Norman North. Talking about OU. And don't even get them started on the east side schools because you know that's where they play the championship football. Yeah, Bigsby. Uh, Doug's got to pick them between OU and Bigsby, I think. All right, uh, we'll close up hour number two uh, coming up next. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Football is here, and your home for the best Sooner coverage statewide is The Ref. From the booth to the sidelines and beyond, our guys are there. The OU football talk you crave is right here. On your home for Sooner fans, The Ref Radio Sports Network. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Three years ago today, Travis, the largest comeback in school history. OU rallied from 28-3 down to Baylor to win the game on a Gabe Burkett's field goal late in the fourth quarter. That does not seem like three years ago, but... Good I Lord. guess we're old. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many signs pointing to, to, to me getting older. That's just another one. I still refuse to believe it. Three years ago today. Jeez. Hey, OU men looked a lot better against UNC Wilmington last night. 21-point win, 74-53. UNC Wilmington played um, North Carolina at North Carolina. Number one North Carolina. Pretty tight earlier this year. 10-23 from three-point range. Um, 12 turnovers. Like to see that number be down, but that's a lot better from their first game of the year. Easily, easily OU's best performance of the year against UNC Wilmington last night. Yeah, and, and Tyler, even you and I had discussed, like, hey, man, this they've got to they get it together. I mean, you've got to beat the bad teams the way you should beat them, right? And obviously in the opener – um, you know, a couple guys they look to get a lot of points from. Uh, one goes 0 for 7. The other, like, they combined for one point. They kind of get back on track. Um, that's that's the team you'd kind of heard Porter talk about, right? So it's good. It's good that they're beating teams they should beat. Now you got to get ready for Big 12 conference play, though, eventually, because because this this league, man. Some of these no non-con joke. games too. You still got to play Arkansas and Tulsa, which we'll both be at that game in December. Oh yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough. Oh one. yeah. Uh, but you got, but you got to get this roster, you know, really get everybody's roles defined and everything like that. That's the interesting thing about the transfer portal is like, okay, I think we need this guy because he was doing this there. But what is he going to do here for us? You got to get it on because the Big Twelve is the best conference in the country. Our UCLA Bruins game against USC this weekend is officially a sellout. <laughs> uh, Seventy thousand eight hundred and sixty-five seats. Sixteen thousand seven hundred. UCLA students have bought tickets, which is the biggest student section in the history of USC football. So, let's hope it matters. Uh, let's hope it matters. Are, Come on. Are they, sh- are they sure that they sold out, or do they say everybody in L.A. is a bunch of sellouts? Uh, I think both can be true, right? <laughs> both can probably be true in this instance. All right, final hour. More Bedlam football right here on The Rush. 1400 AM, KREF, Norman, Moore, Oklahoma City, and 99.3 FM, K257DA, the Ref Sports Radio Network. 
GMC continues its commitment to professional-grade engineering in the GMC Truck Series, like offering the world's first available six-function multi-pro tailgate on Sierra. This tailgate takes innovation to the next level with six distinct functions that let you load, unload, and access the cargo box quicker and easier. The list goes on, but it's more than just 